Thanks for tuning in today to Solid Ground Church. We hope that this is uplifting for you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. If we can be a help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now, let's get to today's message. Said we are in this series right now called In the Beginning, and we're talking about the book of Genesis. We're going to be there uh, until Easter. Not we'll, we'll break up the series so that we don't get bored of the leaves, but we're going to be in the book of Genesis, just going through the entire thing. And um, last week, what we did was we looked at the idea of the creation story in Genesis 1, and there were sort of three big takeaways uh, that we're going to need to get on the same page with this week. And he said, Okay, listen, you know, whether, whether you believe it's literal, whether you believe it's symbolic, here are three things that Genesis one teaches us and number one uh teaches about who god is right that we learn that god is a great king of creation that that he's personal that he's invested in humanity so we learn about who god is number two we learned about who we are right we learned like what human beings are we learned that we're made in the image of god and then lastly we learn what god's intention for creation is Right, and so like the, the world that he created, that God saw that it was good, and, and so we're gonna. Uh, if you're kind of like, okay, it's nice. Here's just a little bit of recap, and so I want us to focus in today as we look at the story of uh, the fall of humanity. But let's understand the commission of God to our first parents uh, that we find in Genesis one, and it starts in verse twenty-eight. It says this. It says, uh, God blessed them, speaking to the man and the woman who were both made in the image of God. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and Subdue it, he continues. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So if we're understanding the charge of, of God to humanity, what we talked about last week was the idea of, okay, so if God is the king of creation, if God is the ruler of creation, and Genesis 1 says that we're made in the image of God, one of the things that we saw, what that meant was the idea that we are made to rule over creation and to steward it. Right, And so we see this again here today. That, okay, basically, when it, when it comes to our commission as a species, basically we could break it down in three ways. Here's the three commands in this, this proclamation. Number one, procreate. Make babies. Fill the earth. Okay, number two, subdue the earth. And number three, rule over the animals. Because that's, if we're sort of summing up, that's those three things. Okay, procreate, subdue the earth, rule over the animals. Now, you might go, why are you bringing this up? Because it's going to be really important later. Okay, so here's what I want you to do, okay? Everybody just stare at it for a second. See this list? Now what I want you to do is just take it and put it in your pocket, okay? Because we're going to come back to it in a really big way. But just remember those three things, okay? Procreate, subdue the earth, rule over the animals. Just take it, put it in your pocket. Because today, what we're going to talk about is how that's all broken in the fall. So, so just to know, today's talk is going to get really depressing, because we're going to talk about why everything is bad sometimes, all right? Like, it's going to get awkward in here. It's going to get uncomfortable. So here's what I need you to do before we go any further, just to sort of break the ice. I need you to turn to the person sitting next to you and just say, it's about to get awkward. Go ahead, just turn to them. Right now, it's, it's about to get awkward, okay? <laughs> Some of you are saying more than that. I'm a little concerned. All right. All right, look. So just a few things up front before we get, and we're going to be in Genesis 3 for the duration of the talk. Uh, just a few things before we go further uh, that I need to just set up, okay? Number one, number one, um, if, if like th- this text, just so that you know, it's really, really rich with theology. I mean, just almost every single statement is just so just powerful and, and life-changing, and there's so much there. And, and unfortunately, because of the limited time that we have, we can't do this thing justice. And so there's, there's like sort of two aspects that we could cover here. One would be like uh, just sort of understanding how Genesis 3 accounts for the brokenness of creation and how it fits with the rest of Genesis as a whole. That's what we're going to focus on today. 
But also, there's so much to learn about sin and temptation in that passage. And so, unfortunately, we just don't have the time, so we're going to cover that in our community groups this week. Our, our groups will go deeper with that end of things. So if you're like, man, I would really like to learn more about, you know, like what, what the serpent is saying and what that means for, for being tempted, I'd be like, yeah, and you will if you're in your group, and they're free, so get in the group. Um, so, but but the, the other half, we just, we just don't have the time, okay? Second thing that I want us to know before we go into this passage is this, okay? I want us to recognize that, that within our church, and this is something I love about our church, is that we have people who come who wouldn't necessarily consider themselves Christians yet. And I think that's great, man. If that's you, we are so glad that you're here. Know that you do not, you do not have to agree with us to be with us. Absolutely. But maybe you come to this passage and you're like, okay, but it's weird, man. Like, how, how can you people honestly believe this? Like, there's, there's like talking animals and, and, there's, and then you're saying that everybody comes from two people. Like, that's, that's a bit odd. So just to sort of... Um, respond to that really quick. And again, you don't have to agree with me about this yet. Like your big question is, you need to answer is who is Jesus? Not whether or not you believe what I'm going to talk about today. But, but, but okay, maybe like, like talking animals, like isn't that a little immature? Here, here's just, just my, my pushback would just be this, okay? That we're dealing with a story that involves the direct involvement, involvement of the God of the universe who created everything from nothing. A talking snake is not the biggest pill to swallow when it comes to this. Like, like, if we're talking about like God who does the impossible, a snake speaking is really not the biggest thing that you've got to grapple with. Second thing would be this. Um, maybe like, okay, but yeah, like, isn't it weird to believe that everybody came from two people? I don't think so, um, for a couple of reasons. One, um, you should just, and maybe you don't know this, but, but right now sort of the growing consensus, even outside of the church within the secular scientific world, is that we all share first parents. Like I had a person come to me between the services. He was like, man, I just did, it's so crazy that you say that. I just, I just did this DNA testing thing called 23andMe. And we do that where like you find out like your, your heritage and your lineage. And he goes, they, now they say that on the beginning is that we all have the same origin parents. I'm like, wow. And that's kind of the growing like belief that we all come from a, the same set of first parents. Now, depending on who you read, they'll differ if it's like, okay, they lived at the same time or not. But this is the growing idea that humanity shares one common ancestors. So no, I don't think it's that big of a leap. And also, also, that's not why I believe it. Okay, here's why I believe it. Okay. Um, because I believe that historically, the evidence is really good that this guy named Jesus of Nazareth lived and that he accurately predicted his own death and resurrection. Like I believe that like, like the evidence is really good for that. And the reason I'm bringing that up is Jesus, who did those things, treated the people in this story like they were real. And anybody who can accurately predict their own death and resurrection, I just go with what they say about things, okay? So like, I mean, if you can do that, I'll listen to you. But otherwise, I'm going with this guy because he's, he's, I mean, just that, that takes a degree of power and understanding I just don't have. So I'll go with what Jesus says there. Okay, now all that said, that's a lot of setup. If you've got a Bible, Genesis chapter three, we're gonna dive right in. Starting in verse one, it says this. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, just background, right? In, in Genesis 2, we learn this commission, right? God creates the man and the woman. He places them in the garden. He says, all right, listen, you're free to eat of anything here. Just don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because if you do that, you will die. God provides everything for them. He creates this state of bliss. They are naked. They don't even care. It's just absolute, like, no shame. It's, it, it's cool. There's only one out, and if they want to take it, if they want to stop serving God, right, because chapter one establishes he's king. If they want to stop serving the king, here's the one way to do it. Don't eat that tree, and that's it. All right. 
So did God really say that? The woman said to the, to the serpent, verse 2, we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. So he's calling God a liar. For God, and here's why. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The translation, all right, God does not have your best interests at heart. The reason he's telling you not to eat that tree is because he's holding out on you. He knows you'll be like him. You, you might be able to compete with him. And so if you eat that, like God is threatened by it, so he's holding a good thing away from you. And now the woman, look at this next part. When, with that in mind, the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good. So she looks like, man, that looks, that actually looks pretty good. It's good for food. It's pleasing to the eye. She took some and ate it. So okay, she listened to the serpent and, okay, and eats it. But now look at this next part. Then she also gave some to her husband. And here's the indication, by the way. It's not like, like she ate it and Adam wasn't there. And she goes, here you go. And, he, and she tricks him. And he's like, what's this? Hum- oh, no, I'm up a creek. It's not that. It's not that. The idea is that he's standing alongside her the entire time. And if, if you read the New Testament and its reflections on this, the idea is that Adam knows full well what he's doing. Okay, so she's deceived. Like, like basically, okay, when it comes down to it, she, she, she actually believes all right, a, a bad thing about God. But Adam knows the truth, and he tr- chooses to go along with it. He chooses in that moment to 100% rebel against God. So he was with her, and he ate it. Now, let's just evaluate this for a moment. If we're saying that God is king, and that's what we've learned thus far, that, okay, he is the creator, he is the king of creation, and now you find these people who have been charged as, as you know, basically uh, middle management for him. They're caring for what he owns, and they're rebelling against him. They're listening to the voice of someone else. They're calling his character into question, and they're trying to overthrow his reign. Now, there's a word for that. It's called treason. It's treason. Basically, okay, I'm going to rebel against the reign of my king. I'm going to rebel against, uh, against this God. And I'm going to choose to try and take things into my own hand. And this is a big deal, okay? So for, if maybe you're looking at the world and you're like, okay, like, why is it that God created such a broken world? We have to understand, according to this, he didn't. According to this, the reason that the world is broken. Remember those, those three things we're going to see earlier with the idea of procreate, subdue the earth, rule over the animals? That's all broken. And the reason that it's broken, the reason sin has entered the world, the reason that death has entered the world, the reason that sickness and suffering and pain, the reason all those things are here are because we stabbed God in the back. Let me just say that again. We, we stabbed God in the back. Here's God, and and, and he creates everything for them, and he's never done anything that's been wrong by them. All he's ever done is care for them. All he's ever done is provide for them, breathe life into them, make it so this state of existence is so good. And what they do is they go, that's not good enough for me. I want to be in charge. I want to be in control. And so they stab him in the back. They deliberately rebel against him. And maybe, by the way, have you ever thought about it this way? Because what many of us do is this. When it comes to sin, when it comes to you know, rebellion against God, we treat it not so much as a, hey, I'm hurting God thing, or hey, I'm, 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 I'm rebelling against God thing. We treat it as a, I'm a breaking a rule thing. Some of us, some of us like, we, we sort of believe in sin as like, rules for the sake of rules. And so we go, okay, I shouldn't do that because that's what my club says not to do. All right. But have you ever viewed it from this perspective? That, okay, here's God who loves you, who's done nothing but good for you. And what you're doing is you're choosing just to throw him to the side. 
You're choosing to rebel against God. Have you ever viewed it that way? That it's not just, it's not just a, hey, I'm breaking the rules. It's a, I'm hurting God. I'm going against him. I'm grieving his spirit. And by the way, this is biblical. This is the whole narrative. The idea that what sin is, it's not just, it's not just do's and don'ts. It's about undermining the reign of the king. And every time that we do it, we reject his lordship over us. I'll give you an example. Later on, thousands of years later, you find this story in 2 Samuel about David, King David. And he has an affair, right? He sees, he sees this woman Bathsheba, sleeps with her, gets her pregnant, and then has her husband killed. I mean, not the greatest of decisions. And, uh, and later on in David's life, what he does in Psalm 51 is he reflects on it. He reflects on how he rebelled against God. He reflects on the damage that he did to, to her, to his family, to the kingdom. And as he's looking at this whole situation, as he's looking at the mess that he's made with his own hands, David says this in Psalm 51.4. He says, against you, talking to God, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And we would come to this and we would go to David. We would go, yeah, but David, what about Bathsheba? Like, you really, you really wrecked her life. And you go, yeah, but ultimately, the one that I sinned against was the God who made her, who loves her. Okay, but what about Uriah, her husband, who you had killed, whose friendship you betrayed? Yeah, yeah, I did that. I did that. But ultimately, the one that I really, really sinned against in this is the God who made Uriah, who loves Uriah, against you and you only have I sinned. Why? Because he's rebelling against the reign of the king. He's committing treason. Our story in Genesis. Now, let's watch as okay, so they make that decision and now things begin to change. Verse 7, Genesis 3, 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And this next part I want us to catch. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Now something to note as students of the word is this. Whenever you find God asking a question in scripture, it's never for him to receive new information. Like whenever you read, okay, and, and like whether it be here, whether it be like, for instance, with Elijah, right? And Elijah runs from Jezebel. He goes into the wilderness. He's under a tree and, and God speaks to him. He says, what are you doing here, Elijah? It's not that he's shocked that Elijah is there. Like, what? How did, how did this happen? Right? In the same way, like you find within the parables of Jesus, when he preaches and he'll end the parable, usually like many times he'll end it with a question. Like, so what should the landowner do? And the people are like, that he should do this, right? And he's using basically to pull a response out of them. The question isn't for God to see why Adam is there. The question isn't for God to see where Adam is. The question is for Adam to see where Adam is. Because what happens is you go like, where are you? Okay, now, now he's forced to pull something out. Now he's forced to, to grapple with this shame that's inside and this guilt. Now he's forced to understand the consequences of what he's done. And Adam responds like so many of us would. He blame shifts. Watch, watch. Okay, so here's what God says to him. <laughs> now watch this. Here's, here's what Adam says. All right. He answered, well, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. Because I was naked, so I had to minimize. Okay, well, listen, you know, just the way that it was, I, I was naked, so I thought I'd, I'd hide. Okay, it's just a matter of fact. And so, and so, so what, here, here's what God does. God, the sort of master psychologist who has created the human mind, has created the heart, he begins to probe more. And so here's what God says to him. Well, who? Who told you that you were naked? 
And now he specifies. He understands exactly why Adam thinks this way. Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Again, this is not for God to learn. He's pulling it. Hey, Adam, Adam, do you think this is why? Do, do, do you think, okay, hey, parents, have you ever had that moment where like, your kid breaks something and you just come down and you go, how did that get there? And they're like, uh, yeah, I, I know how it got there. The vase wasn't broken when I left the room. Now it is. There's only two of us, right? So like, okay, but that's what he, he's sort of pulling the understanding out of him. And now, now watch how Adam, Adam, what Adam does here. This is, oh, I, can't, I can't be mad at him because I've done this type of thing. All right, so the man says, so, so what's he do? So, all right, so what's he do? The man said, well, the, the woman. Okay, so have you done this? The, the, the woman who, uh, who, okay, so it's kind of her fault. All right, the reason it's like this is because this woman said this to me and also the woman that, that you put here with me. So if just so the woman's saying, this is kind of your fault, all right? It's not just my fault, okay? Like if you hadn't created the situation for me to fall, I wouldn't have fallen. The woman that you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Lord God said to the woman, you just kind of imagine like they're sort of standing single file and he's just going down the line, right? <laughs> What's this that you've done? And the woman said, well, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. And I ate, and now, and now, we're going to see as that one decision infects all of creation. Like an airborne virus. In fact, the rest of Genesis, like going forward in this series, up and through chapter 11, you're going to find that basically this one decision seeps more and more into the nature of humanity. But it starts right here. So, so look at this. Remember, remember, remember our, our commission at the beginning? I told you to put it in your pocket. You can pull it out now. Here's what it, here's what it was, okay? Procreate. Subdue the earth, rule over the animals. That was the mission of God to humanity, right? Procreate, subdue the earth, rule over the animals. Now let's watch as that's broken with every single one of them. We're gonna, so jump on down to verse 16. We'll come back to the serpent thing in a minute, but let's start with the woman. So Genesis 3.16. To the woman, God said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. So remember the, 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 the command of procreation? Affected. Or we could say infected. Now, here's something interesting to note, because you might be like, why, why that of all things, aside from it being one of the commissions? Here's something to note, that within the Hebrew, there's a wordplay happening that we're not necessarily going to catch in English. Okay, so when he talks about this idea that I'm going to multiply your pains, all right, the word used here that we translate as pain is not the typical Hebrew word for pain. Uh, the, the word here is etsev. It's, uh, it has to do with like a traumatic uh, labor, but, but, it's, but it's an interesting choice of words because the word etsev sounds like the Hebrew word for tree, etz. And here's the indication of, of this word being used right here. You should just know this. This is, this is kind of fun little Bible nerding for you. Um, that in all of it, what he's saying is every time, every time you experience that brokenness of creation, Every time in this moment when you're, you're having a child and it should be this, this joyous event as a new life steps onto the planet and, and, and you celebrate and you fulfill this commission that I've given you, it will be so in a broken world. And I want you to look back to the tree. Okay, every, every time that you experience this commission for you, like what I want you to do is recognize that this world is not as it should be. Remember the tree. Remember how we got here. 
I'll multiply. Okay, painful. He's pointing it back to the tree. And I know this is hard for us because to us, like the idea of somehow like the glory of God being reflected there and, and like a, a promise of hope to come, we don't see that because for us, pain is sort of, we believe, not deliberately, but we somehow pick it up, that, that, that pain is kind of the antithesis of God's goodness. Right, like, like for us as Americans, we want to avoid pain at all costs. We want nothing to do with it. And so if pain is involved, we believe that God can't be good. But that's a tremendous misunderstanding of the nature of pain. I'll give you an example. So um, several years ago, uh, there, there was a guy named Dr. Paul Brand, uh, and he worked primarily in leper colonies in India. Like that, that was, he did, he, he studied lepers, he tried to figure out the best way to treat people with leprosy. And up until Dr. Brand, um, the, the predominant belief about leprosy was that it was a skin disease. So you, you would see somebody with leprosy, like they have the white skin or what have you, and people believe, okay, that's what leprosy is. It, it's your skin turning white, and then you know, maybe limbs are a fall off or whatever, but, but that's what it is, it's a skin disease. And, and then while Dr. Brand was living in these colonies, one night he observed uh, as, you know, he was in one of the, the sort of dormitories there and there was a man laying in bed and a rat came in, crawled up on his bed and started biting at his toes. And the guy didn't wake up. So Brand's watching this and obviously he, he shooed the rat away. But he said, I wonder what would happen if I bought these people kittens take care of the rats and he did and the, and and he began to see a change in many of the people's condition and he discovered something that leprosy wasn't a skin disease at all what leprosy did was it removed your ability to feel pain and so what would happen is you like you'd, you'd have you would have an infected wound and usually if something's infected it itches or it's it's painful and it would spread right well, okay but if that sensation's gone you don't know that there's a problem you would find people who would like break a leg or an ankle and they'd keep walking on it because they didn't know it was broken because they didn't feel pain. And they would make things progressively worse. And Dr. Brand discovered, okay, listen, what made things so bad was a removal of pain. And somebody asked him one time, they said, okay, well, listen, if you could give your, your patients any gift, what would it be? And he said, I'd give them the gift of pain. Because, he, because he, he came to understand something. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, okay? That, listen, pain tells us that things are not as they should be. That's what pain is. Pain, is, it, it's not that it's the antithesis of God's goodness. It tells us that things are not as they should be. You, you stick your hand on a hot burner, you recoil. Why? So that you don't keep it on there longer to do more damage. Okay? And when it comes to the brokenness of creation, and, and this is just something to realize, okay? when we look at the world and we look at the brokenness of it, how many of us, we go like, well, how could there be a God? To what are we comparing it? We've never known a world without suffering pain, death, disease. And yet we do. There's something in us that looks at the way the world is and we go, it shouldn't be this way. And we find this here in the Genesis story, okay? Like with birth, with this blessed, sacred, amazing event, we find God going, remember, remember, it's not supposed to be like this. Because pain tells us that things are not as they should be. And then his, his announcement to the woman continues. And he says, you know what else is going to happen because you did this? Because you broke, all right, because remember, uh, procreation, that, that's now broken. What happens with procreation? There's relationship involved, right? That's broken as well. Your desire will be for your husband. and He will rule over you. 
It's interesting to note that in this ancient Near Eastern world, Moses is accounting for why men oppress their wives. I mean, isn't that odd? Like, up until then, we find, like, hey, like God blessed them. He created the male and female, both in the image of God. He created them. And Moses goes, you know why men dominate women? Right here. I mean, isn't that odd? Like, that you would find a guy living in a patriarchal society going, it's not supposed to be like that. But this is why, okay, why is it there's a woman who's out there and her heart is so broken and so overturned in, by the brokenness of creation and the only way she feels safety and security is if she's got a guy. This, this is why. Okay, why is it there's a woman who puts up with so many terrible things that nobody else will put up with from a man, but she does it because her desire just goes towards him. This, this is why. And it wasn't supposed to be that way. And you know what's crazy? You see this part right here, infect them. The very next thing that Adam does in the story, like if you're reading what, like Adam's actions, if you jump on down to verse 20, here's what he does. And the very next thing, Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. The next thing that we see Adam do is name her. Eve was not her name originally. We don't know what it was. But he puts this on here. And you know why that's symbolic? Because up until this moment, the only thing that we've seen Adam name are animals. Things that are subject to him. And now he puts that on her. It's infected. It's infected. Lest we harp on Eve the entire time, let's take a look at the, uh, the, what befalls Adam now. So look at this, verse, back to verse 17. To Adam, God said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree, that which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. So remember those three charges, procreate, infected now, subdue the earth, now the earth is infected. Cursed is the ground because of you through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life it will produce thorns and thistles for you and and you will eat the plants of the field a popular misunderstanding is the idea that work was invented in the fall not true not true i don't care how much you hate your job that's not what it says um like and we know that because we find the the language in genesis 2 like that god placed the man in the garden to work it and till it that's not the issue the issue is that now the soil that he worked has been infected so he says this, by the sweat, verse 19, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Man. Now, I know this is hard for us because most of us aren't farmers um, to understand the weight of what he's saying here. So let's just catch it for a moment, okay? Basically, hey, the way, he's going, Adam, the way the world is going to work now, you're going to work until the day that you die at something. No matter how tired you are, no matter how much you want to stop, if you stop, things will decline. And so you're going to have to work at it your entire life. And you've been, and, uh, hey man, you, and, and ladies too, you have found this to be true in your life. You work so hard to get a good job. You work so hard to climb a ladder. You work so hard to get a promotion. But guess what? If you stop working, if you stop putting in the effort, you will lose the job. There's no peace there. You have to keep working until you return to the dust 
from which you're formed. But it's not just work. It's not just the ground. It's not just a career. I mean, it's in your family. It's in your marriages. Okay, listen, you work so hard to meet that certain special someone, to woo them, to get them to marry you, and you fall in love and kissy, 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 kissy. But guess what? Like after the wedding day, if you stop investing in the relationship, your marriage will, not might, will fall apart. How many times have I sat down with a couple and the wife comes in and she goes, I'm just so, I don't know what I'm doing wrong because he just comes home and all he wants to do is lay on the couch because he's so tired from work. Like, what's wrong with me? Why doesn't he care for me? He goes, and the guy's going, it has nothing to do with you. I'm just exhausted. I just want to lay down because I've been working so hard. What is that? It's the curse here, okay? You have to keep working even though you would like to lay down. If you do, your marriage will suffer. If you do, your relationship will suffer. You have to keep putting in the work until the day that you die. Okay, well, listen, I've got kids now, and they love me, and it's so great. It's like, God's blessed me with them. But you know what? If I don't put in the work, even though I'm tired, if I'm not there with them, if I'm not investing in them, if I'm not caring for them, then guess what? Our relationship there will fall apart. Why? Because from dust you came, and to dust you will return. You will work all the days of your life. And if you stop, you lose it all. Where did that come from? It came from here. Creation has been infected. Subdue the earth. The earth has been broken. So our three commands, okay? Procreate, broken, infected. Subdue the earth, broken, infected. And the third one, rule over the animals. That's why I want us to jump back here, okay? So here, let's watch how this relationship is infected, okay? Genesis 3, 14. So God said to the serpent, because you've done this, right, you deceived them, Cursed are you above all the livestock. By the way, the idea that it's saying above all means that all the animals have been infected and changed by this as well. Um, it's why if you're visiting like the savannah, I don't recommend walking up and trying to pet a wild lion. It's not going to go well for you. That relationship has been disrupted. Okay, but, all right, the Lord God said to the serpent, okay, there we go, and all the wild animals, you will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. But then this next part, the language gets weird. I mean, it's not, like the, the, what we're about to see here, in the midst of God proclaiming how all of the earth has been broken, all of creation infected by the decision of our first parents, what he says next is just bonkers. And, and I'll show you what I mean. Okay, so he, like his, the, the statement of the serpent, now what he does is he begins to shift to a future time. And here's what he says, okay? And I will put enmity between you and the woman. Yeah, that, that makes sense. They were buddies in this, and now not so much. And between your offspring and hers. Now let's pause. Okay. What's the offspring of the serpent thus far? Like what has the serpent brought into creation? Sin. Sin. And the word here in the Hebrew is really interesting. Like we translate offspring. That, that, that makes sense because usually it's, it's spoken of lineage, but, but literally the word is seed between your seed and hers. And here's why that's weird, okay? Because typically they didn't speak of offspring like this but because the, the, the predominant belief was this, that like when it came to, to making babies and having children and offspring, whatever, that basically men had seed and women were fields. That was the, like the belief, okay? Like you would sow your seed into the ground to get too crass, but that was the belief, okay? So it's weird that, that, that Moses, the writer of Genesis, refers to the seed of the woman. It's just out of place. It's not typically done. And why he speaks it to her and not 
Adam, when Adam typically would be a father and, and Adam typically would be the one uh, that you would speak something like that to. And, and so the indication is that whoever this guy is, whoever this seed is, <laughs> he doesn't have a father who's a human. So, and then look, and now, and now, now he zones in more. He's not talking about like general sense. He's going to have a specific guy who, as far as we know, never shows up in Genesis. Watch, okay? So he, one guy, will crush your head. And you will strike his heel. So whoever this guy is, what he's going to do is he's going to break the tempter. He's going to like crush, like kill. And he's going to break the, the, the seed of, of the serpent, meaning sin. Whoever this guy is, he is going to defeat evil itself, but it gets better. Because it says, all right, and you will strike his heel. And the language here is, is really, really cool. Because here's the indication. You've got a serpent that would strike a man. Meaning, meaning, in this process of him defeating evil, He'll be killed. This man will be killed. Whoever he is, like if it, if it strikes his heel, the, the idea would be venom. The idea is he would be infected, and that his, that his leg would, would be seen this way. So whoever this guy is, what he's going to do, the seed of the woman, not born of a man, will defeat evil sin itself. Who will defeat the effects of the fall itself? But in the process of him doing that, what it will take is him dying for those he redeems. Now that sounds like somebody to me. And I want you to know that today. I don't know what you've gone through. I have no idea the way that the fall has infected your life. But I do know this. You have hope. You have hope. His name is Jesus. Jesus came into the world. He was born of a woman who was a virgin. He lived a life that you and I could not live. He lived without sin. He lived without being affected and infected by the fall. And then he died in our place so that we could be set free from the effects of sin and death. That's what Jesus did. Like you could not save yourself from your own merit, from your own worth, from your own good works. It's not gonna work that way. You've, been, you've inherited a broken creation, but Jesus has come to save you. And so that you can know that's true, so that you can know that Jesus was who he said that he was. God the Father raised him from the dead because death itself could not hold him. He broke death. And so today, if you're sitting here and you're like, wow, I want you to know, you can know Jesus, that, that, that the creator of the universe doesn't have to be an idea to you. You can actually know God. You can actually know this one that was beginning to be spoken about in Genesis 3 because all of the scriptures point to him. And so today, if you would say that you don't know Jesus, but you'd like to, I want you to pray with me, man. And let's watch as the living Jesus invades your life in this place, right here, right now. So listen, as we close out, let's pray together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you would like to begin a relationship with Jesus today, or maybe you ran away and you want to come back, do it, man. His grace is a fountain that does not stop flowing. Here's what we're going to pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for creating me, for giving life to me. God, I'm sorry for the times I've rebelled against you. I'm sorry for living for myself. I want you to be the king of my life. I believe that you sent Jesus to die for me and that you raised him from the dead so that I could be forgiven and saved, and set free from the effects of the fall.
So God, I'm asking you now, please come into my life and show me how to live for you. Fill me with your spirit and show me what to do next. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you decided to follow Jesus today, let us help you take your first steps in faith. Visit us on the web at solidground.church slash first steps. There you'll find free resources and videos to help you take your first steps in your relationship with Jesus. Thanks so much for tuning in and we look forward to seeing you next week.